0: Hi everyone, we're so excited to um, have a conversation around public service and activism as vocations of reconciliation. I'm Angeline Wong, the Assistant Director for Public Service Programs at the University of San Francisco's Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good. And I'm so uh, grateful and pleased to be here with my colleague Jacqueline Ramos and two of our McCarthy Center students, um, Zoe Baker and Isabel Tayag. And we're so excited to have a conversation around the relationship between the personal, structural, institutional roles in reconciliation. I'll pass it off to my colleagues here today to introduce themselves.
1: Thank you so much, Angie, and for all of you listening and to our amazing students who are joining us. My name is Jacqueline Ramos, and I'm the Program Manager of Community Engaged Learning at the Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good. I also have been blessed to lead the Community Empowerment Activists, so super grateful to be here with all y'all.
2: Hi, my name is Zoe Baker and I'm a senior politics student at the University of San Francisco. I'm really happy to be here and to talk about public service and reconciliation, as I think it's super important, especially today. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you all.
3: Senior sociology major um, with an emphasis in criminal justice, law, and society. I'm really excited to tie in reconciliation reconciliation to the activism work I'm doing around
0: abolition. Thanks, everyone. I think reconciliation and its value is a really helpful way um, in framing how do we embed ourselves in public service and activism. We each have our own stories and lived experiences in this work as uh, women of color. Um, And for me, I think Reconciliation is repairing harm while also repairing what's lost and holding ourselves accountable and those around us accountable as we move into reimagining a just world. So I'm really interested in hearing um, from folks here, what is your relationship to public service and activism?
1: Uh, my name's Jackie. What is my relationship to public service and activism? Well, first off, I always start with, it's a calling, something that I was called to do as my moral responsibility of being a living being who's really a guest on Mother Earth. And service is rooted first off in my spirituality. Um, And then from there, it moves into another space where it's the legacy instilled by my ancestors. And that comes from the Philippines, Chickasaw Nation, Mississippi, Ohlone, occupied land, in particular, the Mission District, which all represents places of my roots. Um, It's the love and courage and strength carried, uh, carried through action by my mother, who immigrated here from another country and really held our family together while navigating this world as a single widowed parent, fierce woman of color. And lastly, it's my community who nurtured me. It's the beauty and the vibrancy and the agency that I witness, in addition to the realities of violence imposed by systems of oppression and seeing its impact on my peers in state-sponsored and state-infiltrated violence, um, incarceration, substance use, mental health. And so it's this constant struggle, right, that people of color face to not just survive, but to thrive in every capacity. And so looking at my roots and my foundation and the history of where I came from, how could I not use my voice and the abilities that I was blessed with to be a part of the movement and to fight for liberation? For me,
2: Well, first thank you for sharing that Jackie that was really beautiful and really spoke to me. Um, I felt called to public service as well growing up in San Francisco and just seeing the disparate realities of all the people that lived here and the impacts of um, economic suffering really and how some people weren't really being treated as they belonged and I just really felt that was wrong and I felt that it was on me and something that I wanted to do and something that I needed to do was to speak up for those people and not just speak up for but fight alongside um, and just and really work towards making sure to build the world that I thought was right and that I thought we all deserved to live in. Um, public service was really modeled to me by all the people in my family and um, the people that I really looked up to. So it wasn't really a question for me if I was to be involved in public service, I just knew that this is what I needed to do and um, it felt right.
3: I would say that I've honestly just begun my journey of activism and public service, and I'm still figuring out the role that I want to play and like the role that I want to play in fighting for a just world. Um, for me, bettering the lives of others has always been the path in life that I wanted to take, especially like my parents are both teachers and like seeing all the work that they pour into their profession, um, teaching children. Like, I really knew that so- I wanted to do something similar. Um, but then I really began finding my passion around prison abolition. Um, at USF first with like taking sociology classes, a criminology class with Professor Richmond, visiting San Quentin, uh, I've been twice and had an opportunity to go twice. And then also volunteering at a reentry center downtown um, in the Tenderloin for over like two years. And that was probably the most impactful experience. And just seeing like the human toll of incarceration just made me want to live
1: society we're always so tense and filled with anxiety, like it's one thing after another. And when I was having one-on-ones with our CEA students, one student shared with me, it's like we live in a system where it's grief after grief. So we don't even get to process and sit with the grief that just happened because a new one happens. And then we are in these institutions where we have to constantly produce. And so how do we push back against that, right? How do we reflect and work through pain and heal and build community? And also, how do we reimagine a world that truly lifts Black liberation, human dignity, equity, sovereignty, and Mother Earth? And what does that look like? How do we hold on to that hope, preserve it, knowing that change is possible and it is happening through love, through movement work, through solidarity, and through holding on to that faith? Mm Um, And lastly, getting to the roots of the outcome, right? Rather than individualizing the effect of something that happened, Mm. but really looking at the systems and the structures that caused it. So then you can transcend what happened, right? And transform that pain into power um, that is really carried through resistance, learning, listening, listening is so important and organizing to bring real resolution, but that could only happen if it's led by people who are closest to the pain, period.
0: No, that's really beautiful how you um, shape that. And certainly uh, reconciliation requires us to really shift that power paradigm. And as you said, digging deeply into the root causes and looking upstream for solutions In doing that through individual and institutional self-examination. Because I think for us, we see so often the failure of leadership in public service stem from the fact that people um, find themselves enmeshed in this system of patriarchy and misogyny and racism and whiteness that I think is very not indicative of the common good that we're trying to kind of strive towards. Um, yeah. So I think there's certainly a long road to kind of ensure that there's respect and trust in community agency and wisdom and expertise. And like Jackie said, how do we move toward collective liberation for our all of our people. Um, I'd love. We. I think we'd love to pass it off to our students and their lived experience and how reconciliation means to them in public service and activism.
3: Yeah, I can go first. Just like based off what you just said, Angie, about collective liberation. Um, to me, re- reconciliation—the first thing that comes to mind in activist spaces—is the role of reconciliation, and building solidarity amongst marginalized groups, Um, often systems of oppression, like you mentioned, um, white supremacy, racial capitalism, like heteronormative patriarchy. I feel like they pit groups against each other. It's like designed that way. And um, I think what comes to mind is like the wave of anti-Asian hate crimes recently, especially with the shooting in Atlanta. Um, Just wanna hold space for that too, as an Asian American. And like also the historical reality of anti-Black racism in the Asian community and vice versa. And to like, so reconciliation, I think that's really important in that aspect is between marginalized groups. So how can we move past um, our ignorance and our hate in the past and then also hold each other accountable so that we can move forward together? Like one thing, like with the anti-Asian hate crimes recently, like we have to make sure we're not going to take a carceral approach to that right we need to take a community approach to that because we know that prisons and policing don't keep aren't preventing those crimes from happening um they're just making tensions worse so like how can we actually repair and reconcile um in our communities is kind of what i think of
2: yeah thank you for bringing up the anti-asian american um, hate and violence we've been seeing recently to me um Reconciliation also means that our public institutions take accountability for the role that they played in what we see today. Um, I'm thinking about how um, the Chinese Exclusion Act and how Chinese women were not allowed to immigrate to America because of their supposed status as prostitutes. And I think that it's really important for our institutions to name the ways in which they have contributed to our harmful and white supremacist reality we see today. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, And so Jackie mentioned truth as being really important. And I think that the, um, like I said, the recognition and the truth telling from the public institutions will help to bring about sustained and long-standing justice and um, collaboration between public institutions and the communities that they've hurt the most. Um, And I think that reconciliation also means that we really bring communities into these institutions to help um, set the precedent and the guidance for how they should move forward and how we can best create this just and um, sustainable peace and future.
0: No, that's, thanks um, Zoe and Isabel um, and Jackie. And that, I think that truth telling to sustain the justice and to repair the institutional harm done is incredibly important. Um, And that's why reconciliation is really distinct from other frameworks that kind of guide public service and activism. So I'd love to hear a little bit from Um, Jackie and Isabel, about how, what is the distinction, how, um, how is reconciliation distinct from other frameworks and how is it distinct from restorative justice?
1: Thank you Angie and thank you all for just sharing your realness and your truth and authenticity and I think to answer that question is really gathering all your ideas all of the ways in which you look at reconciliation and activism and public service in real time. So building off of that, when we look at restorative justice, right? Restorative justice restores what's lost. It brings reconciliation with the goal to hopefully transform behaviors, right? Um, But I think it's more focused on the surface. And so when we look at transformative justice, which is something that is elevated from restorative justice, I'm really going back to Adrienne Marie Brown and her work and her guidance on what transformative justice is. And it builds off restorative justice, but it works beneath the surface, right? It asks those hard questions. It does the analysis. It does the work to get to the roots that perpetuate the harm, to heal the harm, not just putting a Band-Aid on it, but healing it right? So that it could prevent that harm from happening again.
3: I feel like reconciliation plays a role both in restorative justice and transformative justice. Like they're so interwoven. Um, but the main concept is there. Another thing I was reading, reconciliation is like repairing harm, but also trying to see eye to eye and trying to come and meet each other halfway. I think that's really important when we think of like policy, but then also holding like the government accountable, like Zoe was talking about, Um, making sure we don't make compromises that, you know, neoliberal reforms or things like that, where it's like, they're giving us things, but in reality, it's not addressing what needs to be addressed. Um, Yeah, I think just working, yeah, holding government accountable and not forgetting our demands is another thing that I think of. And reconciliation is also, yeah, it is transformative as well. So I really appreciate what you said about that, Jackie. And it's the next step. And it's, imagining what can come next and like repairing those, the relationship, the harm in relationships between
0: communities too. As young people who are um, doing the work and and learning from these spaces in public service and activism, can you share examples from your own lived experiences as to women of color that illustrate reconciliation in public service or activism? So I think um, when I think of reconciliation and
3: like restorative transformative justice, I try to practice it on a micro scale in my interpersonal relationships, making sure that I stay true to that and holding people accountable in my life. Um, As a woman of color, I have faced like predatory aggression, you know, from people and I've had to hold them accountable and speak truth to myself because how can I say that I'm a social justice activist if I'm not even practicing that like within my own circle? Um, So that's something I've had to deal with. And then on a macro level, like seeing how the orgs I work with um, the Anti-Police Terror Project and how they've been working with um, the Oakland City Council for this Reimagined Safety Task Force and how they've been working together in tandem um, with them to really create the best policy possible. um, That will really help redefine what safety is in Oakland and creating um, mental health services and redirecting funds and things like that. And um, Antelope's Prayer Project, they've stayed firm in what they they want and what they need and the city has listened. So that's been really great to watch as well. I think that's just one step in reconciling the past of violence that OPD has inflicted on communities of color too.
2: Yeah, I think that San Francisco has also began to take steps to um, bring about reconciliation. Um, This past summer, Mayor Breed and Supervisor Walton uh, commissioned a report to find ways to divest from SFPD and reinvest in the African-American community here in the city. And I think that's so important, especially as San Francisco is hailed as this uh, progressive safe haven that we begin to actually recognize the reality that is within our city. Um, I think that they did a really good job of, bringing community voices in. But I think that this is only the beginning because we have to make sure that these voices and these recommendations are actually implemented. Because I feel time and time again, we see reports are commissioned, um, community boards are gathered, but um, at the end of the day, these, the recommendations and the great ones they come up with aren't implemented. Um, so I think it's just a start, um, but I'm really hopeful that it does come about. and. additionally i think it's really important not only to recognize the reality of where we are but the history of how we got here and so i think that's something that um the city and i think other organizations and entities can begin to do because i hear a lot about um black and brown people are disproportionately dying of covid okay but why what have public institutions done to get us to this point because you can draw a direct line Mm -hmm. and so um that is a start to what I see reconciliation happening today in the Bay Area.
0: Yeah, so much of it, um, so much of reconciliation happening at a structural or institutional level is just grazing the surface, even in places like San Francisco. And I think um, local governments have a really big opportunity at this point in time in the world that we live in to have a standard recognized, prioritized, and deeply felt definition of racial equity. Why is it important in our individual and collective responsibility to advance towards racial equity? So, and this vision of reconciliation can be achieved tangi- tangibly, requires like transforming our systems to support the collective liberation of uh, black, indigenous and people of color. And that requires like first and foremost, demanding that our institutions uh, be accountable to dismantle racism. And that includes reparations, full stop, right? It also, and it also requires ensuring our institutions um, like local government for the city of San Francisco to become a place, a safe place that feels like a home for BIPOC communities. It's ensuring governments um, or it's ensuring that institutions respect and trust community wisdom and agency. Um, And it's prioritizing communities of color so that they can be economically mobile and secure so that they can reach their fullest potential because we see um, disproportionate effects of, honestly, a lot of policies, I would say all of them um, affecting communities of color. And you know, a lot of this is that reconciling the historic wounds that to repair government sanctioned racial harm in cities like San Francisco, right? Um, and hopefully by that we are able to you know advocate for successful policies that provide really tangible and immediate gains for historically oppressed people but that also requires monitoring those policies and assessing them and making sure that they are actually reducing Racial disparity that's happening. And I think those are some of the things that I've been thinking about in terms of how do we see this happening at a structural or institutional level. Um, something else that I want to pose to the group here is um, what recommendations do you have to move reconciliation forward as we work towards a more reimagined just world?
1: Um, I could start, I think, first off, thank you again for this space and this discussion. I think we need spaces like this, right, where we could dialogue safely and just with honesty. Um, There's a lot of pain going on collectively and just like y'all were naming, right? We have to name the things that are happening, but also understand the root causes as to why there's pain, as to why there's oppression, which is rooted in capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, and these are all weapons of the oppressor to divide communities of color, right? Because if that division is happening, then they're able to achieve what they are striving day-to-day to to achieve, which basically is to exploit our bodies, to make profit off our bodies. And we have to be in these spaces where we can talk about it So I would say in terms of recommendation and really speaking on a spiritual and personal level, um, I think read, read as much as you can. Listen to folks who are Black, Indigenous, people of color with a deep understanding. Folks who are closest to the pain because if we wanna talk about it, they are the real experts in the field. Those who are on the front lines. Um, Holding ourselves accountable and knowing that we're gonna make mistakes because we're human and that's okay but to learn from those opportunities and those experiences and just to be real about it, right? Um, remembering there's no limit to learning and growing and how to show up with authenticity, listening and trusting our own spirit, you know, listening to our body and our mind and our heart where there's tension, paying attention to that safely in a, in a place where you're showing yourself grace and confronting that and working through it. Um, I believe to do this work and do this work with genuine heart and spirit, it's to practice loving ourselves earnestly, radical self-love and what that looks like and means. And then that's how we could show up and love other people in a real way. Um, Other things I would say is to be humble in the work, right? To be humble and also understand that you come from places of privilege, whether that's having a roof over your head, food, access to food and water, Um, education, being in these spaces where we can talk in the community about reconciliation and what, you know, a reimagined just world, that's an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, And so also to write and create, Um, I'm also a poet and I think sometimes the world is just so much and it's too much for me and I get anxiety, but when I'm able to sit and collectively reflect on my own dreams and my ideas and my feelings and my hurts, I'm able to find that stillness Um, which has been so just healing for me in my journey, and to constantly explore, ask questions and dream and imagine and build with folks in community who share similar passions and dreams of what a reimagined just world looks like and how to get there. But also people who don't share the same ideologies, listen to where they're coming from, right? Listen to and try to meet and have that common understanding under the umbrella of reconciliation and togetherness. Um, get in touch with nature. I think to be connected to this movement of liberation, we have to respect mother earth, right? The the earth that we came from, knowing that we are visitors here. Um, Appreciating spirituality, meditation, prayer, whatever that looks like to you, being mindful of the energy you you receive and give and practicing functional boundaries, which I know for a lot of us is not easy, but that's okay because we're learning And showing ourselves and each other grace, remembering the sacredness of life and that life is a constant journey of valleys and peaks and the valleys hurt. But once you get to the peak, you attain this newfound perspective of life through perseverance, love, solidarity, belonging, community. When you look back, you just look at that journey and that process that got you there and it's going to be worth it. That all is rooted in love and community and togetherness, which is reconciliation.
3: Thank you, Jackie, for your beautiful words, as always. Such an inspiration. Then um, I find myself always thinking like you now. Like, the way I, like, think is, like, I just, like, think Jackie <laughs> words. I'm like, wow, she's rubbing off on me. Um, but I think, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, moving towards a just world um, is solidarity. Cross-racial, cross-class, like, it's solidarity to me. Um, and that really is going to be rooted in reconciliation and repairing the historical harm like I mentioned earlier um, Jackie you mentioned discussions having the hard discussions with our elders having teaching our kids from a young age um, I also think yeah across ages and like um, activism and like organizing from like you know babies to like grandparents and like kind of bridging that gap that also needs to happen as well um, and I think that's honestly how, where I see the future going and to see like how we've shown up for each other over the pandemic. And while, yeah, like um, Zoe mentioned, earlier, there has been governmental fa- failures, like we've shown up for each other and it's been really beautiful to see that. And I think that's where our future is going. Um, mutual aid, education, um, yeah, free education and webinars that like we would have never had access to because of this pandemic, like I've learned so much like people just putting labor and love again jackie said reading books um yeah i'm really excited and talking with y'all has been like really inspiring so thank you as well for that
2: yeah this conversation has been so inspiring it's been really great to hear um both you jackie and uh, angie talk about your experiences and what brings you to the work and just hearing your ideas um so for me, I think a recommendation moving forward is, like like you have all said, listening um, to each other and ourselves. And I also think that um, institutions listening to us and being truly accountable to us and being bringing power back to the people and listening to communities and not the needs of corporations, I think that is so important. <laughs> and I think a really great way we can move towards reconciliation is... Um, adjusting the priorities of our institutions um, to be more focused around people's needs. Um, And I think that, like you have all said, continuing to practice these practices of um, taking accountability in our own individual lives is a really great starting point for us and to be able to hold each other and ourselves accountable in this process.
0: What a really lovely space to share with you all. as we kind of reimagine what could be and what should be. Um, I think for me, the it, it goes to a few questions on uh, my own recommendations on how we can move reconciliation forward as we work toward a more reimagined just world. It's who is the community with whom I share my sense of calling? What is the purpose of the work? What illusions and narratives and stories have I told myself that need to be relinquished so that I can transform systems? And then how do we show up for each other with compassion and care and love? So thank you to Jackie, to Zoe, to Isabel, and thanks to our audience for kind of sharing space with us on our podcast for um, Joseph's conversations. Have a restful day and we hope you are able to cultivate joy in the coming rest of the week. This podcast was produced by the Leo T. McCarthy Center for Public Service and the Common Good at the University of San Francisco. In addition to our interview participants, we would like to thank Stara Flaxton-Moore Director of Community-Engaged Learning at the McCarthy Center. For more information about the McCarthy Center, go to www.usfca.edu backslash McCarthy Center.